What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode 153 of The Bearded Vegans. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to, don't be a jerk. Don't really answer the question first. I'm not answering the question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talking about beards. Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com. And you can always reach us by emailing thebeardvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what we've been eating, do some follow-up, go over the news, and then ask the question, what's the deal with the Miyoko's controversy? Oh, Paul, I guess you could say we're going to get a little bit cheesy on today's episode. <laughs> you could say that, Andy. This is... this. Hey, Andy, everyone and their mother have been talking about this <laughs> this, this controversy, this topic, and... And we're gonna we're about to throw our hats in there as well. Yeah, cause cause why not? So, Paul, listeners might detect a bit of fake laughter in our intro, and that's because <laughs> this is the third time we have re-recorded this intro. And in fact, we are recording it at the end of a very long recording session. We had actually planned out this big whole episode. We're gonna talk a lot about should vegans advocate to conservatives. And we thought that this Miyoko story was going to be a smaller discussion that would really tie into the main one. Turns out we had a lot we had a lot to say about this one particular thing. So we decided, you know what? Our attention spans aren't two and a half hours long, and we don't think our <laughs> listeners are either. So we're going to break this one up into a two-parter. Today, we're going to focus on this this whole Miyoko's business. We're going to find out what the heck is going on here. What's, what is this? Why is everyone pissed off? Why are some people just absolutely loving it? We'll try to get to the bottom of that. And then... Next week, actually, we'll be seeing you live in Chicago, and then the week after that, we will resume this conversation, and so you're going to hear us referencing the upcoming main conversation a lot in the Miyoko's discussion, <laughs> so just just know that that's what's going on. And I will say, Andy, not to cut you off, but like I thought that both the Miyoko's conversation and then the the conservative conversation were like pretty in depth, and I feel like we we sussed out a lot of nuances. And typical bearded vegan style did not come to conclusions. But those are, I mean, this was like an intense conversation, especially the conservative one. Not to not to not to tease you because you might not hear it for a few weeks, but it got like. I feel like we were both just throwing a lot of stuff out that the other person was like, yeah, I hear what you're saying and I have no idea how to respond to it. And also we disagreed on a couple of things, which is always yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, like Andy said, you're going to hear us referencing like, oh, and later on in the episode, we're going to talk about this. Just know it's, co it's coming eventually, but, but I think you'll enjoy this one as well. Yeah. So with that, Paul, let's, let's get to the rest of the show. We got a couple of announcements to make. You and I... We did an interview a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about that. And it was only like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were the the special guests on the Woke Stutters podcast. And that episode is slated to release October 5th. So by the time you're hearing this, should be out into the world. And Paul, it was a fun conversation. I actually learned a lot about you. I learned about your time working in a mailroom. There's definitely a lot of math talk early mm -hmm, on in the mm -hmm. episode as well. 
So it was a fun time, but we got into some interesting territory, and it's just sort of like a nice conversation with our new buddy, AJ, who is yeah. the, the host of that show. So if you're a Paul and Andy completionist, I think you'll really enjoy this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, but you can also just look up Woke Stutters podcast wherever you find your podcast and hope you should find it. And the, the podcast actually has a lot of really cool interviews in the archives that I've been working my way through as well. So yeah, just subscribe to that thing and, and give it some listens. And the other announcement, so this is the final warning before our next live episode, which is just a few days away at this point on October 13th, Chicago Vegan Mania, Paul's first time in Chicago. That's the that's the subheading of the of, <laughs> of that and of the entire VegFest. Chicago Vegan Mania, colon, Paul's first time in Chicago. <laughs> and everyone's going to walk around going, who's Paul? <laughs> but yeah, if if you're in the Chicago area or the greater Chicago area or uh, the eight-hour reasonable drive radius, I hope to I hope to see you there. It, I think it's going to be a fun one. We're doing it with Vegan Warrior Princess Attack, and it's it's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And we finally have official word. The live podcast is going to start taping at four o'clock. So we are we are wrapping up the day. We are the final event that's going to be happening. And what's kind of cool about that, Paul, is that it means maybe we can go a little bit longer than we're supposed to, because I think you get the four of us together and we can wind us up and watch us go because we can we can talk for a very long time. Definitely. Yeah. Although not too much longer, Andy, because my flight is not too much longer <laughs> after we finish recording. Paul is going to be spending less than 24 hours in Chicago. For, <laughs> it's just, it's like a preview to a, an actual visit to Chicago, but we're going to try and stuff as much good stuff in that beautiful mouth of yours before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before you get to leave. So yeah, we'll see and what the happens. Big, the big question that everyone's been asking, am I going to get to see the bean? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Almost definitely not. <laughs> oh, uh, all right paul we yes, had Andy. we had a really big weekend this past weekend it was we were at vegandale in randall's island good old randall's island good old randy's island <laughs> i don't know who this randall character is but whoever they are they certainly made a very difficult to get to island <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was our second year doing vegandale new york city uh they're running the compassion company table selling those vegan t-shirts and Paul, this year it was stretched out over two days, and that splits the crowd. And that actually, from attendee perspective, I think probably makes it a lot better because the lines are much shorter. And that was also good for us in the food department because we did get to try a bunch of delicious food that we would not have been able to if we were just slammed all day long. So th- there was so much to talk about. You can go to our Instagram to see some pictures of of some of that stuff, but. Uh, The two that we're going to highlight, the first of which is from Heartbreakers, which is a new spot that's opening up in Brooklyn, and they were kind of previewing what they're going to be offering there. Yeah, I think actually the I, I saw online the soft opening is this Saturday. So by the time you you see this, they'll probably be open. It's where uh, what you call it used to be Haymakers. Haymakers, yeah. And I was sad to see Haymakers go, but Andy, if this is what Heartbreakers is bringing, I'm excited to see Heartbreakers arrive. Yeah, you know, I, I liked Haymakers, but the offerings that they had at Vegandale were, I would say, significantly more exciting than what they were offering at Haymakers, which was more sort of your standard deli fare. Mm-hmm. But we we chose to get, I don't know if they, they even had a name for it, but it was Barbecue Seitan Burnt Ends. So it's kind of like crispy charred up seitan. 
the butt of the seitan. The butt of the seitan. Pineapple chunks and the 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 seitan and the pineapple chunks are tossed in a barbecue sauce and then served over purple cabbage slaw and arugula. And what made this so beautiful, and you should definitely go look at our Instagram to see it, is that all of that is served inside half of a hollowed out pineapple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was like, obviously it was, it was beautiful, not obviously, but it was beautiful to look at, but also it tasted so good. Like I, I've been, been striking gold with good tasting, like barbecue stuff, whether it's at roots in, in Delaware or now this, this barbecue pineapple from heartbreakers. Like I need to learn how to make barbecued tofu or barbecue seitan or barbecue anything this good it was just like so thick and chewy and oh i loved it paul i was i was expecting to not totally love it because i was expecting it to be sort of what i'm just gonna call homemade seitan which is just kind of you described chewy but to me it had a much better texture than this that and like the homemade seitan always is kind of like spongy to me and just yeah just doesn't do it but this reminded me of and for anyone that may have had these like maywa spare ribs it, mm-hmm. if that means anything to anyone listening it was like that kind of texture for me and i loved it and the whole, the whole thing was really just great and i thought serving the pineapple it makes a good photo it's also just sort of a creative way for them to give their garbage out to people <laughs> this is your problem now yeah pretty like what are they going to do with with hundreds of pineapples you know just hand it out to people <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so that's Heartbreakers. Definitely looking forward to seeing what they're offering up in their physical location once I get to take a trip there, which I guess hopefully might be soon. And then, Paul, the other place that I'll just quickly mention is, I'm not sure how to pronounce, but it's either Bonabona or Bonabana, something like that. B-O-N-A is how it's spelled. And they were serving up ice cream in a cone, in a sugar cone, as ice cream deserves to be served in. <laughs> and they had, you know, they had like a chocolate. They had, a, I got the pistachio. I'm a sucker for pistachio ice cream. But the reason that I got this was because they top it with a toasted meringue topping. And they actually show you how they're doing this from the window of their little truck. But they're sort of, they pipe on this kind of marshmallowy meringue type thing. like a little swirl, like a little soft serve swirl on top of your scoop of ice cream. And then they take out a like industrial blowtorch and then they torch (laughs) it. So it gets toasted all around. And it was truly fantastic. It was, it was as if a toasted marshmallow enveloped all of your scoop of ice cream. (laughs) So I am very excited because you know what? They're going to be at the New Jersey veg fest this coming weekend where I will also be. So I think there might be some more of that in my future. Nice. I didn't try it, but it was definitely adorable it was certainly adorable so <laughs> that's all the good stuff go check our instagram which is just of course the beard vegans for the pics paul yes andy big weekend for food big weekend for beardos big bwb big weekend <laughs> bwfb big weekend for beardos yeah we met so many amazing beardos that came by a lot of returning beardos but uh, the new beardos we're going to give a quick shout out to our julia nicole grace Steven, Jamie, Reed, Roy, Lauren, Lisa, Katie, Terry, Simon, Nancy, Nora the Peanut, who I missed. I was getting I was getting food, I think, and I missed Nora the Peanut. You know, we don't normally shout out returning beardos, but Nora the Peanut is a special exception. <laughs> and then a second Nora, Nora from Orchard Grocer came by, who will be talking yeah. about that interaction in a little bit. Yeah, so so thank you to everyone who was stopping by. It was very nice to meet all of you. 
yeah, it was great. A couple of people picked up shirts, definitely got a lot of high fives. Uh, my partner made sure to tell us how awkward we are whenever people come <laughs> up and say hi. So apologies to anyone if we seem shy and weird <laughs> when you mention the podcast. It's not our intention. And Paul, uh, the other week I did the Hudson Valley Vegan Food Fest and I lost the sheet with the beardos, but I found it. So thank you to Alexandra, Liz, and Jeremy for coming by, some of which work at Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary. Nice. And yeah, so thank you for that. Cool. All right. Well, we got some follow-up. We do. So here's the, here's that that Nora from Orchard Grocer follow-up that I just teased. So I I sort of gave the Just Egg a very poor review in our last two episodes. Mm-hmm. And the first place I got it from was Orchard Grocer. And I said that it was a great sandwich overall. It was like a breakfast sandwich. But as a as a singular entity by itself, the Just Egg was not that great. But my caveat, of course, was that I did not eat it hot and fresh, even though I did warm it back up again. But Nora came by specifically to tell us that the Just Egg is much better than the review gives it credit for, <laughs> and that indeed one must experience it fresh and hot off the grill, but when you do, that it is a really special item. So I'm just going to keep saying what I've been saying, Paul. Can't wait to get my hands on a bottle of that stuff. And and Nora also mentioned how... The, the just egg unbeknownst to us not that i've had it anyways it comes in two different forms if i remember correctly it comes in the liquid form and then the patty form and yes. you've had both of them yeah also unbeknownst to me because what <laughs> i got from rips malt shop was the patty that's the one that i truly did not like even though i love rips <laughs> can't talk enough about rips i just just love i just don't want people to think i don't like rips because i really <laughs> like rips i don't want people to go there and want them to succeed uh but yeah, I, I had the patty from from Rips, and that was the one that I thought was really like wet and spongy. And that one was fresh off the grill, so yeah, I, I'm gonna avoid the patties from now on. But um, <laughs> I'm still curious to try a bottle of that just egg. Just just drink it straight. Yeah. <laughs> All right, one little one more little piece of follow up. Last week, Paul, we dissected a meme. We were talking about that Mercy for Animals meme that said vegan because I listen to my heart, not my stomach. And we had all sorts of opinions about it. I posted it to our Facebook. Our Facebook crew had all sorts of opinions about it. But uh, somebody, Madeline, chimed in. And I thought that this was a perspective we did not bring to the conversation, nor did anyone else in the thread until this. So I'm just going to read it so that people have uh, an even broader spectrum to consider. So Madeline wrote... Just listen to the episode where y'all talk about this meme, and I had some thoughts. Although the message is great and easy, the words here can be mighty triggering for folks who are recovering or struggle with eating disorders. As someone who spent a long time dealing with ED, veganism has been a way for me to feel good and add purpose to the food I eat. On the other hand, many folks struggling with ED can use veganism as a way to limit their intake in the public eye. Example, out to dinner with friends or family and perpetuate the disease. It's easy to see how someone saying, don't listen to your stomach, even if it's not meant to be literal, could be triggering from recovering EDs and ammunition for others who claim veganism to be unrealistically restrictive. We know it's not. And or a facade for unhealthy behaviors. Moral of the story, always listen to your stomach, but have compassion at the same time. So thank you, Madeline, for for pointing that out. That's not something that we had considered as well. And I think it's certainly an important thing to do. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Madeline. And and Andy, I, I've noticed that over the past couple of weeks, I feel like people have really been posting a lot of great stuff on the Facebook, like adding to the discussion. And that's awesome. And I, I want to encourage it. 
Yes, it's great. I, I've also been attempting to actually post on our Facebook more often, so <laughs> that Thanks, also Andy. helps a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you, Andy, then. Uh, oh, you're welcome. I'll take all the credit for that. <laughs> it's uh, everyone commenting is actually me on different ghost yeah. accounts. <laughs> So let's move on into the news. This first piece of news is coming from the Wall Street Journal. Animal rights group sues to spring Happy the Elephant from Bronx Zoo. And this is coming to us from October 2nd. Happy, a 47-year-old Asian elephant, once played alongside her companion, Grumpy, in an exhibit at the Bronx Zoo. But for more than a decade, Happy has lived alone. The elephant's well-being has been questioned for years by animal advocates, media reports, and an online petition that claimed Happy was held in solitary confinement. But on Tuesday, animal advocacy group the Non-Human Rights Project oh, hey, took the first legal action on Happy's behalf, arguing she is an autonomous being illegally held in captivity. The suit names as defendants Jim Breheny. Sorry, Jim, the Bronx Zoo's director and the Wildlife Conservation Society, which runs the zoo. Mr. Wise's group seeks a writ of habeas corpus or the right to challenge one's confinement in court, a legal remedy more commonly used for prisoners and slaves. The group filed its suit in state Supreme Court in Orleans County, New York, because it views the resulting intermediate appeals court as receptive to its argument. The group wants to move happy to an elephant sanctuary. The the non human rights saga continues. continues. So if you if if you're just joining us now, welcome. So we've talked about the non human rights project a couple times. We reviewed a movie that was a documentary about them trying to do this same sort of deal with chimpanzees seeking the writ of habeas corpus, and it did not turn out as we would have hoped for for the chimpanzees, but. I'm glad that they're still plugging along because I think that it could be a powerful tool if if they can just get one. It seems like, and I mean, this is I think why people the the judges are hesitant to grant this is that I think it could snowball, which is what we would want to happen, and that's what we saw kind of with the what was it Justice the Horse last week, where mm-hmm. the judge ultimately decided not to grant Justice the right to sue on their own behalf because. They claimed it, it would lead to a, a spiral of these sorts of cases, which which we want. But hopefully, hopefully something takes for Stephen Wise and the Non-Human Rights Animal Project. I hope this is the thing. Yeah, I mean, I, part of me is just this particular case aside just has me thinking about the persistence that that he has in trying these cases. I imagine it must be a very thankless and tiring endeavor. Mm-hmm. And once you receive so many defeats, because un- unfortunately we've covered a lot of the defeats on this show, no, no victories and it, it to, to persist and continue to push on and just keep hoping that you refine your argument, refine your case and, and, and like sort of will your way in and find the one judge that's sympathetic enough to the cause and is convinced enough by your arguments to actually grant the writ of habeas corpus is it's, it's daunting. So I guess I have to say hats off, hats off to the non-human rights project. And I, Andy, I feel like we, we are more sympathetic to this cause than we have been with other legal actions. And I mean, we literally just talked about this last week, but you know, I, I feel like some 
some sharp-eared listeners could probably find examples in the past of us talking about like, oh, well, this has never worked. So obviously, like with with some other tactic, like, oh, this has never worked, so they should try something else. Like, do you think that this gets to a point where they should, you know, reconsider whether or not this is just not going to work maybe at this present time? Or do you think that they should indefinitely keep plugging along? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm wondering if eventually they'll reconsider the ask of the writ of habeas corpus, which is basically uh, assigning a sentient being legal personhood, whether they are a human being or not. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if eventually the strategy will change, but it also kind of feels like I don't I don't really have anything to back this up. But my assumption is that he's been doing this for a very long time and it's sort of all he knows. And it's like it's what he's good at. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, in theory, it's what he's good at, although we have not seen any any you know victories. But also, it, I guess I wouldn't chalk that so much up to his ability as it is just the fact that he is going up against. You know, he's not just trying to convince one person to go vegan or to consider the vegan argument or consider that the animals are deserving of some sort of rights. He's he's trying to change a whole system. He's trying to change the whole legal system and the way the legal system views certain particular animals. You know, he's not he's not saying a praying mantis deserves to be a legal person yet or something like that, but he's saying that like certain animals are have enough cognitive function and awareness and sentience that they are deserving of being legal persons. Um so yeah, so I guess I could I could foresee him saying this particular strategy this particular ask isn't working but i don't foresee him just sort of giving up the legal route altogether and i you know i think that's something that we actually talk about when we talk about finding what type of advocacy works for us is that yeah some people are not great at going on the street and having conversations some people are not good at handing out leaflets some people can't bake a cupcake some people <laughs> can't start a t-shirt company. Some people can't do a pod, you know, whatever it is, but you might find that you are great at giving water to a pig on a truck. You might find that the legal avenue is the thing that speaks to you. And clearly this is a very passionate and driven person and, and organization. So it it would be hard for me to imagine him just straight up abandoning it. I, I'd imagine he's just going to keep going until he, he starts chipping away at the species foundation of our legal system. You know, Andy, I, I, I was genuinely asking you because I, I, that was just a thought that popped in my head. I wasn't trying to be like, gotcha, or I wasn't trying to set you up for an answer. But <laughs> I think that what you said has resonated with me because you pointed out the important distinction that when we talk about some of these other things that were like, oh, you need to find, maybe you need to, to reconsider your actions because they're not working. I think oftentimes we are talking about like, you know, trying to convince people to go vegan, the individuals to go vegan. And this, this, what he's doing is certainly on a, a much, much, much bigger scale. So even if it was something where it's like, he's been doing this, I actually am not sure how long he's been doing this for, but even if it's something where it's like, oh, he's been doing this for 20 or 30 years and then eventually he gets one of these wins. Like, I think that you would look back and say those 20 or 30 years would be worth it because it is like starting to chip away at this, this, the way that systematically society is being run right now. And, and I think that that would be huge and, and it would be worth, I think I would, if I were in his shoes, look back and say that that would be worth the effort. 
Yeah, no, I absolutely. Cause it, yeah, it could be such a monumental turning point for animals in our society. I mean, we're starting to see some slight changes. We've covered them. I forget what countries where they're starting to have more acknowledgement of the sentience of animals, even though it's not really applied to a lot of the animals in, you know, farming situations. But yeah, and, uh, Paul, you know, on, on that note of us sort of evaluating activism and, and when we're kind of like, maybe your time would be spent best doing something else or what you're doing is sort of damaging in a lot of those cases it's you know we're talking about a type of activism that yes is probably around getting people to go vegan or shutting down a slaughterhouse or something something a little bit different than these legal avenues but it's also usually a case where the people engaging in it are often trying to convince others that that particular type of activism is the only type of activism that we should Mm do and convince, trying to convince lots of other people to do said activism. Mm-hmm. And it feels like almost like particularly damaging because of that. If we assess it to be like a negative, like a net negative for the movement for the animals. Yeah. And, and I, I, I just feel like Stephen Wise is just this one person with a few people helping him. That's just sort of plugging along. And I, I've never gotten the sense from anything I've seen him write or in the documentary we watched or any of the, the coverage we've read, uh, of which we've read plenty, that he's trying to convince everyone that this is like everyone should drop everything and go to law school, and <laughs> and and everyone should flood the court with writs of habeas corpus requests or anything like that. So I think that might also be some sort of distinction there. And I guess I kind of appreciate that on some level he's just like I'm. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to do, and I'm just going to keep plugging along whether people support me or jump on board or not. The hero we need, not the hero we deserve. <laughs> the hero Weiss. that Happy the Elephant deserves. Yeah. Also, yeah. Paul, how how adorable is it that the elephant's companion was named Grumpy? I know. I know. <laughs> okay. Very cute. Hey, this is Paul and Andy recording from the future. We've already had these discussions, but as you know, as we referenced in the in the beginning of the episode, we are re-recording some stuff. We're turning this into a two-parter, but we can't get through an episode, Andy, without giving a shout out to the beautiful Beardos, the wonderful Beardos, the amazing, incredible Beardos out there who have decided out of the kindness of their heart to donate some money to us via our Patreon. So we, we obviously have to give a shout out to those Beardos. So a huge shout out to Meredith S. Madeline S. Ronnie B. Emily May Y. And Jessica K, who who all donated one dollar or more to our Patreon, and and we are so incredibly thankful for that. I hope, I sincerely hope that you are enjoying the 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 great content that's on the Patreon, all the bonus episodes, all the little extra episodes. And and if you are not a part of that, and you would love, then you would like to be a part of that, just go to thebeardedvegans.com/slash beardo. B-E-A-R-D-O. And there you can find the link to the Patreon. You can find a link to the PayPal if you want to do a one-time donation. And you can also find the link if you want to order a Bearded Vegan shirt. They say, don't be a jerk on the front of them. And it's pretty great. And they have our beautiful cartoonish faces on the back. 
Yes, they do. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you to everyone that has been contributing. In addition to getting a shout out on the podcast, you can get early access to episodes, sometimes up to four or five days early, but usually at least three days early. And you can get merch, all that good stuff, buttons and stickers that aren't available anywhere else. You cannot purchase them. So, yeah, definitely go to thebeardvegans.com slash beardo. And, Paul, I guess with that said, let's get back to the past and start up this discussion about Miyoko's. Let's do it. Let's move on into this next story, Paul. This one, I, I guess I must have caught this one early because I was just—I thought it was just going to be like a little news story and we could talk a bit about it. And it has kind of set the internet on fire today, <laughs> especially. Mm-hmm. So there's actually, oh, there's like, I have things to say about this, Paul. But mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. is coming mm-hmm. to us from Live Kindly on October 3rd. And the headline of this article has actually changed, but the original headline of this article was vegan cheese brand Miyoko's partners with Nestle to meet growing demand for plant-based food. Inflammatory. So, you know, for those that know about Nestle, I'd say very inflammatory actually, and like mm-hmm. potentially damaging, although I guess potentially damaging if untrue or I mean, I guess, you know, if, if, if we are to take that headline at face value, which, you know, what does partnering necessarily mean? We'll get into that, that you would assume that Miyoko as a person or as a company has sort of assessed all the risks of what that could do to their reputation. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe not damaging if totally true, but uh, as we learned, might not actually be true. But Paul, you know, to sort of frame this, this conversation, I think there's probably a lot of listeners that don't know too much about Nestle and mm-hmm. might not realize why my many folks would sort of brand them as a kind of like a particularly evil type of corporation. Mm-hmm. So let me give everyone a little bit of rundown here. I think one of the biggest things, of course, is that they just sort of go around the the world buying up and privatizing water supplies and then they make it so they they are the only ones with access to clean water and then they they turn around and sell it to people at a significant markup and that's not as bad in America where in most places you can generally get clean water i guess flint michigan excluded of course and and probably many other places um but they do this to areas they target areas that really rely on the small amount of clean water that is available and they sort of snatch it all up and then they're selling it to people that are in really vulnerable situations and vulnerable mm-hmm. populations and communities. So, so it seems really insidious. And Nestle chairman Peter Brabeck said, clean water is not a human right. Jesus. Yeah. And so I guess Nestle, together with some other companies, uh, together they've persuaded the World Water Council to change the designation of water to be a human need and not a human right. That's so fucked up. Right. And so if it's if it's if it's a right, that means it's something that needs to probably be available for free or incredibly cheap. But if it's a need, that's kind of just like code for it's a a market that can be met. Mm-hmm. And so they can sort of exploit that market by going around and privatizing water and all of that. Uh, I, I read some other this like you can just just Google it. There's so much stuff out there. There was something how they were providing infant formula. They're actually like one of the biggest. They're the biggest infant formula provider in the world, mm-hmm. and they were providing 
you know, free formula to to new mothers in in certain hospitals is sort of a PR move. But what they did was they supplied them with enough free formula for one week. And that's about the time it, it takes to for a like a human's breast milk supply to dry up. And then that leaves them dependent upon the formula. Oh my God. And just like all of these things, like it's just like absurdly evil. And then, of course, Nestle is synonymous with chocolate as well. And, you know, they're not sourcing their chocolate. Well, you know that it's coming from slave chocolate. Uh, So so all of this is to say when we talk about like evil corporations, Nestle is like the cartoonishly evil corporation. Like, I'm sure there are plenty of others that do really horrible things. We know that there are. But there's just something about Nestle, the way they're positioning themselves to to have such a huge share of the the freshwater market, which we know is going to be like an incredibly valuable commodity in the next, I don't know, 30, 50 years, whatever it might be. Mm Mm-hmm just seems so insidious. It just yeah. seems so insidious. So anyway, uh, understandably, people might not be stoked about whatever this <laughs> partnership is with Miyoko's. But let me read a little bit from this article over at Live Kindly. Nestle, the world's largest food and beverage corporation, has announced a partnership between its U.S. branch and a vegan artisanal cheese startup, Miyoko's Kitchen, in order to meet the rising demand for plant-based food. The multinational corporation says that the California-based brand is among the state's fastest-growing companies. The partnership is a part of Terra, and that's all capital, Food and Agriculture Accelerator, a program founded by San Francisco-based co-working company Rocket Space and Dutch multinational bank Rabobank, Rabobank, <laughs> Robobank, that aims to unite large companies and emerging disruptive brands. But Paul, reading that, what is your? I feel like I wasn't entirely sure what exactly this partnership meant. What what is? What do you get from this paragraph that I just read? Well, it just says unite. It's going to unite them, which to me, like what immediately comes to my mind is that Nestle will will have some like they'll own, maybe not own, but they'll have some shares or some stakes in Miyoko's in exchange for Nestle giving them lots of money so that they could grow. That seems like from someone who has no idea about business stuff, like that seems like the, the one, like the generic partnership to me. Yeah. I think partnerships, it conjures up them purchasing a percentage of shares or Mm -hmm. it conjures up them sort of merging or acquiring them. And that's what, I mean, frankly, that's what Nestle does. They, they just acquire brands left and right and not just food brands, but they, they're just sort of, they're the blob, you know, they're sucking them Mm -hmm. up these brands and growing larger. So I don't know. It, it, yeah, the, the reporting on this one seemed really off. I think the, the headline especially seemed pretty off. And so I I ended up posting this to our Facebook just with a couple of those like hmm guy emojis, you know, <laughs> just thinking hmm just to see how people were going to react to it because I wasn't entirely sure what exactly this partnership meant, but uh people 
had really polarized reactions. There was the camp that was, oh my God, this is so great for Miyoko. This is going to get them everywhere. It's going to make their cheese cheaper. And this is like, this is animal liberation personified. This is the best possible thing that could ever happen. Uh, Bless the animals from on high. (laughs) This is incredible. And then you have the other camp that's like, uh, Nestle is the most evil corporation ever, as we have outlined. Mm-hmm. And this is absolutely horrible that Miyoko's would work with them or be acquired by them or merge with them or whatever it might be. So it uh, turns out those critiques made their way to Miyoko, who just posted on, on Miyoko's personal Facebook. Miyoko's Kitchen has not sold to anyone, big or small. It surprises me that smart vegans make judgments based on reading confusing headlines without reading articles, doing research, or asking questions. Is this how smart vegans vote without the facts? Without even considering that they may be jumping to conclusions and are willing to trash someone who has been working long and hard to promote veganism, where will that get us? Has fake news gotten to vegans as well? She's claiming fake news. Fake news. I mean, that kind of ties into our main discussion, Paul. <laughs> so so Miyoko's pissed off. Miyoko's pissed off that this headline basically makes it sound like they're merging with or the, that that I guess it makes it sound like any scenario that you could probably think of that you'd be expecting to come from a partnership would mean that Nestle is going to make some money out of the deal and they're going to profit off of vegans that don't want to support one, a horrible corporation, but one that also exploits a ton of animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I really sympathize with Miyoko here. Like the, if this is not the actual case of what's happening, the fact that Liv kindly chose to use this headline that was so vague and kind of misleading and perhaps in an effort to get people to click on it because a really mundane headline about them just sort of getting some advice from a corporation might not might not have the same pizzazz to it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Miyoko has every right to kind of be pissed off about this particular article. Yeah, I saw a couple of comments on her statement that were like, oh, like, you don't need to have an attitude about it. And first of all, I didn't think that from what you just read, Andy, which was all of it. I didn't really get that much of an attitude. But but even if it's like it's like, yeah, I think she has every right if someone's trying to defame her to be upset about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I I would I, I totally sympathize with the tone that Miyoko's coming at right there. You know, if that's your company and you're you're making these moves that you think are good for your company and in accordance with your values, and then because Liv kindly they just posted this off of a press release that Hershey's had sent out. You know, so it wasn't even like this isn't like the info that Miyoko's sent them or or like put out into the world at all. So it it's it seems a little reckless, I think, on Liv Kindly's part. So do we know what the what the the quote partnership actually entails? That's a good question, Paul. So <laughs> I went and just kind of looked up what is Terra because the partnership yes, Nestle's involved, but the the main thing is this Terra, which is this accelerator, which is this thing that sort of <laughs> accelerates businesses. I love Paul, I love watching Shark Tank and they throw all these business terms out there, but I had never really they, there's been so many new terms that have entered my life since I've started researching this article, but they're an, an accelerator. And what they do is they sort of amp up existing companies and like 
partner them with bigger corporations. It's like a, it's almost like, it seems like it's a, like a mentorship program. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. from the Terra website, this is how they describe what they do. Terra is a first of its kind program bringing together the industry's most disruptive startups and progressive corporations, which is apparently Nestle, to fuel cross industry <laughs> innovation and set a new standard for food and agriculture. Unlike other accelerator programs, this program is designed to be an ongoing innovation platform that will result in a continuous stream of commercially viable solutions. So, so, so basically, they find these smaller companies. Someone that's in like a, a size of Miyoko's, it would seem that's that they're calling disruptive. I feel like everyone likes to call themselves a disruptor whenever I yeah. see like Shark Tank. Everyone's like, we're disrupting the pet food industry or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, that or they call themselves the Uber of something. But anyway, <laughs> the, there was all this hubbub and then Live Kindly changed the, the title to Vegan Cheese Brand Miyoko's joins the Nestle Terra Accelerator Program. Such like, a boring title, though. <laughs> Yeah. And I kept hearing that like the official Miyoko's page was going to make a statement about this to clear everything up. And then they started posting that Miyoko herself was going to go on a Facebook Live to explain everything. This is so dramatic. I know. And I was like, can you just put some text on the paper so I can just read it really quickly? <laughs> or uh, Paul, also, you know what I discovered recently? What's that? The text to speech feature. For uh, your phone? Just on the internet. It exists on the internet. And there's like a long article that I wanted to read, but I was also really busy today, like filling mail orders and stuff. And I just copied and pasted this article into it and it read it to me in a robotic voice. And it was so nice. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the text to speech, like to text people on your phone. And I was going to be like, yes, Andy, like the one that my mom uses to, to text well, people. Well, that would be called speech to text, Paul. <laughs> It's a totally Excuse different me. thing. It's a totally Excuse different thing. Me. False headline. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I waited around and I watched most of this Facebook Live video <laughs> because I was like, <laughs> we need the complete story here. Took a while to get to the point. Uh, so I just, just some interesting side notes here. Uh, it seems like Miyoko is now taking the route of Beyond Meat and impossible foods in that she's now referring to their cheese, not as like a cheese or dairy alternative, but as plant dairy. Interesting. Yeah. And says the future of dairy will come from plants, not animals. So it's just the same thing as, as beyond meat, which is like, we love meat. We're just going to build it from plants instead of animals. Just like not making a distinction between the two necessarily. Mm hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Anyway, so Miyoko says that that it's just it's just a part it's like a mentorship kind of thing as I said. It just means that they're going to get together with Nestle and get advice from Nestle and that Nestle gets no shares of their company, they're not paid to do anything. They're not being paid. No one's being paid. There's no money exchanging whatsoever. It's just like a 6-month thing where Miyoko can ask whatever questions she wants apparently. That doesn't seem so bad. Well, that's the question is that even if even if there's Nestle doesn't stand to gain financially from it, I think that when what we're going to try and get at in our main conversation today, which I think we're sort of going to be just sort of starting right now, even though we're technically in the news section, is <laughs> sort of this, this idea of is it okay to work with people or maybe even some might say use people 
use platforms that are sort of inherently tied up in some really ugly things like Nestle is in order to further the cause of veganism. And that might even be too lofty. It's particularly furthering the cause of one particular company that happens to sell vegan cheese, but in theory could lead to, you know, more exposure to these things, a lower cost. And I will say Miyoko's is probably one of the best cheese. It's definitely the best fancy cheese that's like readily available in a lot of places, but it's expensive. It's like 10 bucks for a cheese wheel. It's not the kind of thing you can get all the time. And, and so that's, I guess, anyway, that's kind of the question I wanted to get at was, even if Nestle doesn't stand to gain financially, do they stand to gain a better reputation? Is it greenwashing to know that they're working and and mentoring along? Hey, little buddy, this this cute little <laughs> you know up and coming little vegan startup is it like better for the reputation? And then I guess also like what like do we want our vegan companies learning from the practices of such horrible corporations? <sighs> Uh, Andy, I'm if if they truly are not gaining anything financially from this, I don't think that Miyoko like love Miyoko's. I don't think that they're so big that Nestle is able to then tout this as some great thing that they did. I think ninety nine percent of their current consumers are going to be like, who, who are you talking like who are well, you I talking think, about, Paul? I think ninety nine percent of their current consumers are going to say nothing because they'll have zero idea that this is happening whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, so so what I'm saying is, like, if if they're truly not g- gaining anything from this, and Miyoko Miyoko's does stand to gain things from this, and and I think it's a, I think it would be Andy a stretch to say that Miyoko's is going to like inherit their sh- like shitty <laughs> practices because you know what they're probably learning how to like how to operate better and how to, but again, like, not to say that I don't want Miyoko's to grow, but unless you're operating on this like massive scale. No, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say when you start to bring like human conditions, like the state of the human conditions of your employees into it, I guess it only takes, you could have one employee and treat them really, really badly. But I don't know. I I just don't think that if, if, if I'm Miyoko and I, and, and I was against, you know, some of the things that the ethically questionable things that Nestle does specifically towards humans. I don't think that having Nestle give me ideas would convince me otherwise. Maybe I'm wrong, but I I just can't imagine that it would cause them to change their ethics as a company. Maybe if like Nestle is like dangling money and they're like, you know, they're in some like lofty, like penthouse suite and they're like, oh, this is what you could have if you only treat people terribly. And then they're like, oh, I do want that. But I don't know. I I don't I don't see the bad the, the bad side of this. I don't think. <laughs> What's that I'm, look, Andy? I, <laughs> I have no words, Paul. I am wondering if anyone would ever find out about this if Liv Kindly hadn't picked up this press release. Like, That's do you think question. it would have just been this quiet under the radar thing? Like, obviously, this is a press release that went out, presumably to lots of outlets. But if it wasn't picked up by Liv Kindly, which is widely considered to report on you know vegan topics as a vegan outlet would this have caused the uproar could it have just been this this quiet thing that miyoko sort of learned 
And and I should say in this live video, Miyoko does clarify what they wanted to learn because you know, like part of me is like, okay, day one, Nessie's like, all right, so what you gotta do is get some child slaves to make. You, and then she's <laughs> like, no, 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 I don't want that. And they keep yeah. trying to push that on her or something. But um, she said what she wants to learn is about consumer insights mainly and also about co-packing like finding you know better facilities to to make the cheese and just sort of learning about insights into the consumers so so that's that's like what Miyoko is trying to get out of this and also says we are going to learn industry tactics and again that like the dark side of that is you're like well what Nestle has to do in order to be the size they are and make the profits they do is to do some pretty heinous things and to violate a lot of human rights. And so, so I feel like there, there could be an argument made that's like, why would anyone want to learn from a company that must employ those tactics to be as successful as they are? Do we, does the world need corporations so big that they're able to get away with these things? And that some might even argue that, that the things they're getting away with are a necessity for them to be as big as they are. Like, wouldn't it be better if we had a bunch of companies that were maybe Miyoko size, which are pretty big and maybe you can't get them everywhere, but maybe everything doesn't need to be available everywhere at all times. No, I do agree. I do agree with that, Andy, that, that I I do think there's some truth to what you said, which is that like a, a company that big needs to do terrible things to, to, exist in 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 their current size which i think leads us to the fact that we shouldn't have companies that big i do agree with that but i don't think i don't know if miyoko's is like trying to be that and i don't think they will be that so i don't think that's necessarily something we have to worry about i get what you're saying which is like what does what does she have to learn from from nestle but i i don't know i i i think that there's there's so much that goes into like as someone who does not run a business nor a food business specifically like there's so many there's so many intricacies that go into it that i can't imagine that every single one of those intricacies the way that nestle's doing it i'm i'm sure that not all of those things are like egregious violations of human rights i'm sure some of what they're doing is like wow this is a really clever thing that they're doing that's allowed them to get very big now there are also the things that are just terrible horrible things that they're doing that have also allowed them to get really big that are probably foundational to their success yes but but i i imagine that there's other intricacies on how they run their business that that miyoko's could implement that's not like violating uh her ethics yeah, and actually in in this Facebook Live video, the, the last little quote that I wrote down was that Miyoka said, we have unwavering vegan ethics and our values will never, ever change. So, hmm. I mean, I guess you could like, – like, like I think you could just say that like this is someone that is like – this this corporation sucks, but you know what? I'm going to take advantage of them. Like yeah. I have way more to gain out of this than they have to gain from me. And therefore, it's almost like 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 Miyoko's is exploiting Nestle and like getting away with something like going into the dragon's den and extracting the gold tooth and and leaving, you know, Mm -hmm. and like that's the way to look at it rather than going to the dragon's den and the dragon just like eats this the person or something like that. (laughs) You know who else said our values will never, ever change, Andy? John H. Nestle. (laughs) And look and look at them now. (laughs) Paul, so speaking of Nestle, mm-hmm. 
Well, let me ask you this question, and hopefully you haven't read ahead in my notes here. Oh, oh I, I will not look ahead. What What do you think Nestle stands to gain from this arrangement? That's what I'm. That is the thing, Andy. That I think is is critical for our evaluating this and and again this is this is an issue like the issues that we try to bring up on the show that i don't think is has a black or white yes or no good or bad although i'm sure some people disagree and that's fine but but you're wrong i'm just kidding but like (laughs) i think i think that that what they stand to gain is a crucial element and and you were saying before andy you were saying would anyone even be talking about this if live kindly didn't pick it up and that might be the case, but at the same time, I, I think there's something to be said about transparency. And and I don't think it's a bad thing that we know about this, although I do think that Liv Kindly went about it the very much the wrong way with like the super inflammatory head heading instead of just saying like this is a thing that's happening you know they wanted to have the real clickbaity title which we all know we know andy we know all about the clickbaity titles but that's right (laughs) (laughs) but but i i think i think that I wouldn't say that it's a bad thing that Liv kindly reported on this. I think they could have reported on it in a better fashion, but I would rather people know about it than than not know about it. Um, but to answer your question, what does Nestle stand to gain? I, I, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that, like you had mentioned before, that maybe they're trying to use this as like a PR move to say, not necessarily for Miyoko's, but just to say, hey, we do this accelerator program to, to, to help out the little guy, you know? And because and, and, is it, from your research, Andy, is the accelerator program, it seems like from the name of it, it is a Nestle program? Or is Nestle just a part of it? What I gather is that Terra Accelerator Program is its own thing. And whoever is running this or in charge of things there... It's like this own their own entity, and they are reaching out and they're grabbing three smaller, you know, vegan, not vegan, and they're reaching out and grabbing like three small companies that could use some acceleration and pulling them into their entity, and then they're reaching over to the other side of the aisle and they're grabbing a couple of large corporations and being like, "You're going to be the big brother, big sister program right now." And you're going to help out these corporations, these smaller growing organizations and, and businesses. I would guess then that the thing they have to gain out of it is is a PR boost. Um, and again, not not necess- I don't think they're going to name drop Miyoko's. I think they're just going to say, look at all the good we're doing for these small businesses. And I think that. You know, that is something that we should weigh when we're putting this stuff on the scale about whether or not we should support something like this. We we should add that to the scale that they, they may gain some good PR from this. However, I think that if if we as advocates of goodness do our job to promote to people that might not be as informed about how bad Nestle is, if we can get the word out about how bad Nestle is, I think that will outweigh that can outweigh the the, the attempted good PR that they're trying to get with this. So I don't I don't know that I would put all the weight on Miyoko to have to decide, you know, like whether or not to to do this thing because of that reason. I don't know. Like like certainly it's something that she probably maybe thought about, but 
I don't know if it's entirely on her that it's it's not like her involvement in this in this thing is going to make Nestle even bigger than they are or make Nestle all of a sudden like absolve them of their their horrendous uh viola- human rights violations. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is the calculation is is the good PR that Nestle could get from this. Does that outweigh or is it outweighed by the good that can come from Miyoko's being more widely available and potentially at a cheaper price point. I guess that is the question. But if Miyoko's wasn't involved in this, another small business would probably be involved. There's millions of small businesses, Andy, and I'm sure one of them would have, would have joined. And wouldn't we rather have the one that's going to promote, at least promote something that goes along with our ethics? Yeah, I mean, that, that's certainly something that crossed my mind was, well, if all they're doing is just to say that we're doing this program, then yeah, anyone could step in there. So yeah, I, um, all I'm doing is repeating what you were saying, Paul, but <laughs> but let me offer, let me some, offer some insight because Miyoko does address this in that Facebook Live video. Mm-hmm. And apparently like Nestle called and she was like, why are you calling me? <laughs> uh and they they said that they want to do this program, and she's like, you know what I'm all about, right? Like I'm I'm vegan. I'm dedicated to this. We make dairy free, you know, cheese. Uh, and they said that's exactly why we want to talk to you. We want to learn from you. Hmm. So so it's like, what is what is the skeptical in me is like, what does that mean? Like, do they want <laughs> do they want to steal her recipes? They you know like what what is it? And then Miyoko sort of further explains, you know, these companies are so big that it's hard for them to pivot. They don't know how to how to like change course. They don't know how to become better. And they can learn that sort of thing from me, which I, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. Like I feel like these are really smart people at the top of these companies and and, and conniving people apparently and <laughs> potentially evil people. But <laughs> It's hard for me to believe that they don't know how to change course if they need to change course or if they had like a change of heart or whatever it might be or if they want to become more sustainable. It feels like that's something they can figure (laughs) out without trying to absorb a small company or like have to mentor a small company, you know? I just imagine them like in the, the CEOs in this in this office and they're all like their hair is all messed up and there's papers everywhere and they're like we're just we're just exploiting so many people we don't know how to stop I can't <laughs> I just can't stop. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Paul, I don't know what what are the takeaways from this conversation? I I guess I feel like we you know we we would never know what we would truly do unless we were in Miyoko's situation and then we have to make that calculation. So so I think it's tough to say that, but I don't know what do, what do you, what are your overall feelings on this conversation? Like is it is it in general is it okay to sort of exploit some people a a, a platform, a company whatever it might be? even if they don't align with our full values in order to gain something out of it? I think it's a case-by-case thing, but I'm going to, if I had to throw a general yes or no, I think I would throw a general yes. It is okay to exploit these companies or these people uh, to further to further your cause. Let me, let me throw this analogy at you, Paul. Uh-oh. Sometimes I will go use the bathroom at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Right, they gain nothing out of that. <laughs> I mm-hmm, make it but... make a deposit <laughs> in their bathroom, <laughs> and then I leave. and And I am like, 
in their business, the fact that there's a car in their parking lot might make someone think that they are busier than they are. And they might go, McDonald's is popular and I like to be like everybody else. I'm going to go to McDonald's. Maybe my car in their parking lot means someone chooses to go to McDonald's. Mm -hmm. But like they don't find they don't directly financially gain from me. And you know, me, me just walking in there and taking up their bathroom for a few minutes versus the relief that I get that allows me to then continue <laughs> to live in my van and promote my mission. Do you feel like that's kind of the same thing? Like, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I do not think that's the same thing. I, I think that, <laughs> I think that Nestle gains <laughs> slightly more than, than what you are generously uh, depositing at the McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay i would uh, still if i was in your position andy i would still feel like a bad person just for i'd be like oh no i'm i'm in a mcdonald's right now let me tell you those mcdonald's are getting pretty futuristic and cool inside <laughs> andy before we move on just one more thing that i wanted to mention like maybe this will i don't want to have a long discussion about this but Maybe it's worth having a discussion another time, but I saw the Food Empowerment Project, which which we've talked about many times on the show. I think I usually tell people my favorite vegan organization. Uh, they posted today, they made an Instagram post, a I'm sure very calculated Instagram post that said, love Sweet Earth. So Sweet Earth, Sweet Earth, Sweet Earth is the, the, the company that puts out a lot of vegan products they put out those burritos they're not all vegan but they put out some of those like breakfast burritos or there's like the curry tiger burrito stuff like that and they put out a post that said love sweet earth learn more about nestle and uh, under it they wrote that did you know that sweet earth foods is owned by nestle and that just got me thinking andy that i think this is something that i've noticed from doing this podcast and from talking about these issues when they come up, like impossible foods, testing on doing the animal testing and stuff like that, where it's like, if, if you've, if you support a, if you've supported a company for a while, I feel like a lot of people, even if they find out that the company say is owned by Nestle or something, they give it a pass versus like if they're there when the thing happens, like this Miyoko's thing is happening right now with Nestle, I feel like people are more outraged about that. And it's this interesting phenomenon that I feel like needs to be examined. And it's it's because I, I feel like it creates a lot of hypocrisies where it's like, oh, well, this is this is the thing that everyone in the community is getting upset about right now. So I'm upset about this, too. But I'm giving a pass to the company that's doing the exact same thing that's always done it that way for for no reason i guess other than that's just the way that it's been yeah i suppose that does deserve some further examination for maybe <laughs> but not episode. right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i just wanted to throw that out there and give a shout out to food empowerment project yes definitely and paul you know what the last thing i'm going to say before we before we move on oh i hope we have a long discussion about this one andy <laughs> So on the on the subject of Live Kindly putting out some kind of irresponsible headlines, as I was looking mm-hmm. for news, I saw this one. Normally, we don't engage in the, the celebrity gossip on this show. We're usually fairly against it. But uh, Live Kindly put out this headline that said, Will I Am says his vegan diet was a big mistake. <laughs> and Will I Am, of course, from the Black Eyed Peas. 
And I saw that and I was like, oh no, like, you know, I'm whatever, not like a huge fan or anything, but I've enjoyed how enthusiastic he has been about being vegan since going vegan. You're not a will I fam? Oh, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I, you know, I read the article because I am someone who will do my best to read the article before commenting or making an <laughs> assessment. And and the big mistake was him making this. It's actually kind of a horrible dad joke, but he's just saying that like he doesn't miss steak. says his vegan diet was a big mistake yeah like he's like i don't miss chicken i don't miss you know burgers i don't miss steak like his whole he's on this whole rant about like how it's important to make mistakes and that's like an important part of growing as an artist and then he goes on this brief vegan tangent and then he talks about how he doesn't miss steaks and then for some reason live kindly turns that around and says will i am says his vegan diet was a big mistake so he is still vegan? He's still vegan. God, what a terrible title. <laughs> he is still so very vegan and so stoked on being vegan. And the fact that that's the headline and that like what the vegans read it and they get riled up, whatever. But how many non-vegans are going to see that? Never read the article because most people don't read articles. I don't read most of the articles that that go past my eyes on my Facebook feed. The ones I want to comment on, of course I will read, but how many people are going to see that and be like, okay, there's another failed vegan. It's not even that great of a joke. And this is coming from someone who makes those kinds of jokes on the regular. I literally just made one, but like was a big mistake. Mm. Yeah. And actually it's, it's funny because I did see an article that was talking about a bunch of vegans getting riled up by another chalkboard sign, a la the, the antler incident in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And the sign was going vegan would be a big missed steak. Like that's a joke that like non-vegans use about vegans. I don't know. So it's, so it's like, whatever, like we don't have to turn everything into news. And if we do, (laughs) like a lot of the celebrity stories are like taking something like, who was it? Like Donald Glover bought vegan. Donald Glover bought Girl Scout cookies that happened to be vegan. And all of a sudden that's like this big news. Donald Glover buys vegan Girl Scout cookies or Joaquin Phoenix, who happens to be vegan is cast as the Joker in a new movie and the Joker sets going, you know, and this is like the opposite. It's like someone pronouncing their veganism, but the headline instead is talk is basically make people think that they're not vegan anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it feels really damaging. Like it, yeah. it feels, you know, like for as much as we're not like, oh, celebrities are going to save us and the end all of all, you know, advocacy. But why would you ever want to promote the fact that a vegan was not vegan anymore? That a celebrity was not vegan anymore? Yeah, that is bizarre. What the and hell? A, and a, a miscalculated move, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they're like, it felt like they were only thinking as far as the clicks and not thinking as far as what will this do to potential vegans yeah yeah that's weird <sighs> step it up live kindly you gotta you gotta do much better on this you you got some good stuff but some of it very questionable 
All right. So obviously we want to hear what the beardos have to say. So if you have any thoughts about this, if you have any comments or ideas or questions about this or any other topic, feel free to send them in thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. We always love getting emails. We always love hearing from you. I know a lot of people have been commenting on the Facebook already. I'm sure in the, the coming episodes, if that those comments continue to pour in, we'll talk about some of those. So so thank you to everyone who's been interacting with us and continues to interact with us online. And and we love hearing from you. So send them in. And speaking of interacting, if you would love to interact with mostly Andy or possibly Andy and myself in person, Andy, what do you got coming up? Well, the first thing I have coming up is something we have coming up where people can definitely interact with us because we will be doing Chicago Vegan Mania, October 13th in Chicago, Illinois. And that is the date when we're doing our live podcast collaboration with Vegan Warrior Princesses Attack. And spoiler alert, this is going to be an advice episode where we're just going to be answering a bunch of listener questions. So send in those emails. They might get answered. But yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot more interactive of a live episode than we normally do. And that was October 13th. October 20th and 21st, I'll be at the Portland Veg Fest in Portland, Oregon. And October 27th, I'll be at the Texas Veggie Fair in Dallas, Texas. So yeah, come find me and or Paul behind the Compassion Company table. And you can pick up my shirts. You can also pick up a Beard Vegan shirt and sticker there if you want. And yeah, if you want all those dates, deets, and links, just head over to CompassionCo.com. You'll get links to all those events, plus a bunch more happening in November and uh, even something happening as late as July 2019. So way in the future. Way in the future. Very cool, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) So Paul, it's been a, been a real long recording session today. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we were musing on what does Nestle get out of this whole situation. And, And one possible scenario is that they get a lot of positive PR but I don't, it just feels like they should know how to get positive PR. Like, I don't know if they're just so hor- horribly evil, they can't possibly fathom a way to do it. <laughs> but we have a suggestion for them. Like, yes, you can help out brands like Miyoko's. But I think if you changed your slogan from, we are the most evil corporation, give us your water, you could actually change it to the following seven words. We are the Bearded Vegan, signing off. All right, so that's our conversation about the Miyoko's controversy. Obviously, that that's that is not. <laughs> yes, here I am talking about Miyoko's just now. Um, <laughs> animal rights group sues to spring happy the spring to spring happy the <clears throat> elephant. Happiest name of the elephant. So, like spring, like get Free. them out of there. Yeah. Okay. It's it's weirdly. Whatever. Animal rights group sues to spring Happy the Elf from Bronx. The elf. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take three. The group filed its suit in state Supreme Court in Orleans County, Orleans County, New York, because it views. Oh my God, I'm fucking up. Then he goes on this brief vegan, vegan, vegan. We are the Bearded Vegans, signing off. And we are done!